just wanna see all the beauty without worrying about my own. Claim the promises to me and recognize my home where there's a blue river to drink from and a great green valley to roam where there's Concern for the gardens and ferns that never were affected by drought. Oh, the drought. I just want a blue river to drink from and a great green valley to roam. Someone to help me Scare away the voices Scare away the voices Scare away the voices Saying I'm any old one Good morning, everyone, and welcome to chapel where we have gathered again for worship. And I want to emphasize for a second that we have gathered here for worship because ultimately worship is a we thing. I know that there are moments for all of us and should be when we, as Jesus said, enter into our closets, that inner space, into our own hearts and souls to connect with what's real and true and ultimate, God. But at the end of the day, worship is something that we do together as a community, and so we gather. We, we're here, about 1,500 of us. We gather, and we stop what we're doing and attend together to God. One of the reasons why we always emphasize putting away the cell phones and all that is not only because it's going to be distracting to a lot of things, and not only because most of us are addicted to those things and need to just practice setting them down, but because there is great power in we gathering and, and in our attending to something so important. So we gather and we attend and we sing together and we read together and we express the faith. We profess the faith together and we also confess. In, in, in some way or another, we get to this reality that here, here's who we are as human beings. And, and we say it in all sorts of ways. Across the world today, as Christians gather, they will make common confessions of sin. I mean, often that is a very personal and private thing. But it's true, too, that we come together in part to say the world is a mess. Human beings are 
and trouble and even as brothers and sisters in the church we struggle to do and be what God would have us to do and be so I invite you into a common confession this morning we'll be placing it here as we always do and reading together in unison what would be a a typical way of Christians as they have for centuries declaring their need for God's grace together would you join me and we'll read together most merciful God We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways the glory of your name. Amen. Good afternoon, everybody. Jeremiah was shut up in jail in the royal palace. Zedekiah, king of Judah, had locked him up complaining, how dare you preach, saying, God says I'm warning you. I will hand this city over to the king of Babylon, and he will take it over. Zedekiah, king of Judah, will be handed over to the Chaldeans right along with the city. He will be handed over to the king of Babylon and forced to face the music. He'll be hauled off to Babylon where he'll stay until I deal with him. God's decree. Fight against the Babylonians all you want. It won't get you anywhere. Jeremiah said, God's message came to me like this. Prepare yourself. Hanamel, your uncle, Shalom's son, is on his way to see you. He is going to say, buy my field in Anath. You have the legal right to buy it. And sure enough, just as God had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me while I was in jail and said, buy my field in Anath, in the territory of Benjamin, for you have the legal right to keep it in the family. Buy it. Take it over. That did it. I knew it was God's message.
the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel. I paid him 17 silver shekels. I followed all the proper procedures. In the presence of witness, I wrote out the bill of sale, sealed it, and weighed out the money on the scales. Then I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy that contained the contract and its conditions, and also the open copy, and gave them to Baruch, son of Neria, the son of Maseya. All this took place in the presence of my cousin Hanamel and the witnesses who had signed the deed as the Jews who were at the jail that day looked on. Then in front of all of them, I took Baruch. These are orders from God of the angels' armies, the God of Israel. Take these documents, both the sealed and the open deeds, and put them from sa- for safekeeping in a pottery jar. For God of the angel armies, the God of Israel says, life is going to return to normal. Homes and fields and vineyards are again going to be bought in this country. This is the word of the Lord.
hope comes in unexpected places. That's what we saw in the clip earlier in the chapel service. They're in Shawshank Prison. The prisoners are devoid of hope, going through the routine, the monotonous day-to-day grind. And then Andy Dufresne, this prisoner, gets this album, and he plays it over the entire PA system, and this music, like a songbird, lands in the middle of their despair, and it breathes like a clarion call, hope to the people. Hope comes in unexpected packages. When I first started working full-time for Baylor University, I was told by Kristen Richardson, my friend and my supervisor, that you can go get new furniture for your office, and I was really excited. So I went down to Round Rock to Ikea, which is incredible. It's like 20 Sam's size kind of thing, building really huge. Uh, And I was looking at all the sleek, hip kind of furniture, thinking like, wow, I just feel like I should be cooler just for even being in this place. Like, this is incredible kind of deal. And I went and picked out my furniture, and I had here the three office chairs I wanted. Those are the four bookshelves, and and this is all the kind of de- the desk that I think would look perfect. And they put it in the computer, you know, kind of did that. Printed out this paper and said, here, just take that. Go back to the warehouse, and they'll be able to, you'll be able to find everything you need. And so I walked out of this, like, immaculate, beautiful sort of, you know, showroom. And I get to this warehouse, and I'm just, like, overwhelmed because there's so many cardboard boxes. I'm like, okay, I'm looking for aisle 3D-9C3PO-R2-9er kind of thing. I'm not really sure where that is, but that's what it says here. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's over there. Go find that. And I find this box. It's like no bigger than two pizza boxes. And I'm like, what? This is my office chair? Are you sure? Well, it's part of your office chair. The other part of your office chair is over in aisle D-924. And I'm like, okay. So I go get over there. And I'm gathering together all the furniture and getting ready to check out. I'm thinking, you would think that four bookshelves, three office chairs, and a desk would take up more than like the size of my passenger seat. But here it is. It's just like all stacked right there. I don't know how they do it. They're incredible. Ikea, an incredible place. It blew my mind because they were able to package things in very unexpected ways. And so too in our text we find that hope comes in unexpected packages. Jeremiah was a prophet. His mother probably hoped he'd be sort of like the prophet like Moses or like Samuel. That's someone that's really respected in this great leader. But instead, the only thing he really has to show for being a prophet is that he's been locked up. He's a felon. And Babylon, this imposing army, has gathered around the city of Jerusalem. And it's going to be on. And you know that Jerusalem probably doesn't have very much time left. God had already said that through the prophet Jeremiah. But no one had believed. And they particularly started to scoff at Jeremiah when Egypt caused some problems for Babylon and Babylon temporarily withdraws its troops. And so everyone says, see, Jeremiah, you didn't know what you were talking about. You said God was going to judge us because we weren't being faithful. You said that God wasn't happy with our brokenness and the way we continually chose to be selfish. But look, we're Jerusalem. We've got the temple. We're safe. And this just proves it because Babylon was at our doorstep and now they're gone. They put their hope in temporal circumstances. And Jeremiah calls to the people on behalf of God to say, don't place your hope in circumstances. The secret to solving your life isn't if you could look in the mirror and see five pounds less of fat or or 10 pounds more of of muscle. Don't place your hope in thinking, well, if if they would just notice me and and think that I was attractive, then there would be hope. Don't place your hope 
And well, if I could just find some way to do a little bit better in my OCHEM class, don't place your hope in the circumstances. Jeremiah calls them and he calls us to place our hope in the one who transcends our circumstances, to the one who transcends our reality and shepherds us through the pain, through the sorrow, through the suffering, through the judgment that inevitably will come. And so Jeremiah is commanded to go buy some land. You can sort of see him talking about God like, right, so you're saying that there's about to be this huge invasion. None of this is going to exist. Our entire way of life won't even be around in a few years. But you're saying I should invest in some real estate. But God tells Jeremiah to do this. And Jeremiah is obedient because he knows that God is doing something that's attached to a historical setting, but is so much bigger God is saying, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten where you live. I haven't forgotten your circumstance. And though you may go through some pain, though there may be some trials, there may be some challenges, I will walk there through that with you, and I will offer your hope. I will be your hope, because your hope isn't based on these circumstances. It's based on how I'm shaping and forming you in the middle of these circumstances. And so... God, through Jeremiah, is calling us to realize that hope comes in unexpected packages in our life. The very challenging roommate, the difficult class, um, the, the pain that you're dealing with that may seem hopeless may be secretly surprised to be for you something that mediates God's hope, God's love, God's care for you. Similarly and finally, I'd like to encourage you to consider that God wants you to be a package of hope for a world that is desperately in need of it. That you can be like the songbirds that they mentioned in Shawshank Redemption that fly into the drab places of our world where people are full of despair, where people are down because the economy is down, because job market isn't great, because all these other things. And you say, I am full of hope, not because of these circumstances, but because of the one who is my hope, who shepherds me through them. And I wonder if you would allow God to use you to fill you with hope and go forth into the world and be songbirds, singing God's beautiful gospel of redemptive hope to a broken world that's in need. songbird and I want to sit on the tallest branch of the tallest tree and I want to sing lullabies to earth as she cries but I really want to try and make her laugh I want to be a songbird and I want to watch sunrise with my love by my side And I want to grow, and I want to learn, I want to fire, and I want to burn, I want to rise, and I want to fall, I want to run, and I want to crawl. I want to be a songbird, and I just want to try to know how far and deep and wide. 
why this love is that you give Cause that's what it is to really live To just try and look around See you in our breaths and hear you in our sounds I wanna be a songbird through things that I need make me hurt and make me bleed cause I will rise and see the light I'll pray my way through the night and I want to be a songbird and I want to sing lullabies to earth as she cries but I really want to try and make her laugh how you made me Take the strings and the things I use to tie me to the ground. Let them all be gone. I want to be a songbird. I want to be a Thanks, Jillian. It's really, really awesome to have Jillian back in chapel, and she's, we've known her for several years now, and she uh, has been recording music for a while now, and I downloaded her last album off of uh, iTunes, and I really like it, but just because I love you guys and she loves you guys, she also brought some and put them out in the front for six bucks, so if you um, thought to yourself, hey, I want to take some of that home, then uh, she'll be out front uh, with some of those in her suitcase. Um, I also want to make you aware that Christopher Mack was here. What, what a great time of worship it's been today. Um, it's been a really refreshing time for me personally, and so I hope it has been for you as well. Christopher Mack is the coordinator for off-campus ministry in our office. Some of you know him as C-Mack. Um, I've also known him for years and years, and um, I just want you to know that he loves college students. He loves to hang out with you and to be with you. Um, and that's not just because he wants to be in your presence, but he wants to be the hands and feet of Christ to you. And so um, it's really been a pleasure to have him here today. Uh, he's a graduate of Truett Theological Seminary, and he's in the Bobo Spiritual Life Center. If you ever want to come and just hang out with him and have a cup of coffee, he'll be there. There's a special week coming up next week on our campus, and I want you to know about it. And so we're just going to watch a short little 20-second video clip about it, and then I'll tell you a little bit more. So let's watch that together. It says something. I don't know. No, it says be the change, and it says September 26th to the 29th. It's next week. Um, if you're 
keeping up with the calendar. And so I want you to just keep your eyes open and peeled for what Be the Change is all about. It's a missions conference that we have here on our campus. We have it each year to make you aware of missions and what it means to live missionally. And it's put on by our uh, BU Missions, which is housed over in the Office of Spiritual Life. So I hope that you'll uh, kind of keep your eyes open to know what it means to be a missional thinker. Um, and we'll also have a speaker here in chapel. Next week's chapels will be devoted to that week as well. Lastly, I want you to know that every semester the Gideons come and they bring copies of, of this little Bible that many of you got when maybe you were in Bible school and all those kind of things. But these, these Bibles have gone with people all over the world, so I hope that you'll take one on your way out as the Gideons are here to share those with you. Let's stand this morning and receive our benediction and then we'll go. Let me say to you, thank you for being here. I love to worship with you, and today was a special day to worship. If you'll do the benediction with me, you'll read the words in white, and I'll read the words in gray. Christ's food in our souls. Christ's life in our hands. Christ's love in our hearts. Christ's peace on our path. Amen and amen. Go in peace.